0: Amen. Well, it is Father's Day, so happy Father's again, a Day again to those that, uh, you know, we can never say that too many times. Happy Father's Day, can't we, fathers? It's our day. Come on. It's our day. Yeah, woohoo! We get one day a year. Let's not cut it short here, okay? One day a year comes to Father's Day. And uh, so we're going to talk about fathers today, and we're going to celebrate that. And, and, uh, and I hope that we honor, can honor our fathers this morning the way they need to be honored. Because, you know, um, dads, moms, um, you're pretty special people here. Do you know that? Because whether we all like to admit it or not, if I didn't have a father, I wouldn't be here today. I have a lot to thank my dad for because he fathered me. And if he wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't be here this morning. And my mother had something to do with that as well. So thank you to both of you. And, uh, and I hope that you are thanking your father in your mind as well this morning. But I want to talk this morning about the legacy that a father leaves. The, a legacy that a father leaves to his children. Now there's a process of not only becoming a father, but also being a father. And I'm going to talk about that this morning. And, and our text this morning uh, comes from Proverbs, which is a book of great wisdom and insight. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 through 8, says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you. And Lord, we take this text here, and we apply it to you as well, as you are our Heavenly Father. And we are listening to your teaching and we're listening to your instruction this morning and we are honoring you as our Heavenly Father and that we would then take that same model now and bring it down to our earthly fathers, that we would listen to our fathers and our mothers and heed their instruction because they love us just like you love us and you have great things in store for us. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Now we see from this text that God ties the gaining of wisdom to fearing God, our Heavenly Father. All right? That text says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of what? The fear of the Lord. And this isn't a fear like, I'm afraid he's going to hurt me fear. It is a reverence fear because of who he is. Because he's so mighty and he's so majesty. And so I have a reverence. I have a reverential fear of the Lord. And that is the beginning of knowledge. That's not the end all to knowledge. See, because knowledge never ends. Our pursuit of knowledge never ends. It doesn't just happen overnight that I get all of a sudden I'm as wise as I'm going to be. No, it's a wisdom process, it's a process of living. But fools despise wisdom, and fools despise instruction because fools think they know it all, don't they? This is why then it turns right into our kids. Kids, listen to your mom and dad, because you're a fool. Because you don't know it all, children. And so listen to the instructions that your moms and dads give you. And if you do that, there will be great things in store for you. So there is much to discuss this morning on what it means to become a father and more about what it means to be a father. And I want to stress the fact that there's a process here. There's a huge and an eternal difference that I want to hopefully get, to the, get across today of the difference between becoming a dad and being a dad. And I want to talk about that this morning the, and the differences and what happens here in the process of living. Becoming a father is the easy part. Becoming a father is the fun part. Becoming a father happens in an instant. But living out a legacy of being a father is a lifetime. And it takes effort. And it takes work. Now, some may call this the hard part. If becoming the father was the easy part, some may say being the father is the hard part. Well, certainly there may be some truth in that because there are some hard things we have to do. But no question about it, that being a father that leaves a legacy, a godly legacy that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, it's not only, it's not just hard. In fact, it's not really that hard. It's a life of fulfillment. It's a life of joy. It's a life of peace. It's a life of integrity. It's a life of authenticity. And we make it hard, maybe because we allow our own flesh desires to get in the middle of this process. And if we were really loving God the way that we're supposed to love God, then maybe it wouldn't be so hard for us to leave a legacy of being a godly father to our children. And so we'll talk more about that. See, this is either a, a legacy of, of blessings or a string of regrets, depending on your choices here as we move through the process of being a father. And we're going to discuss it. And it really, it's, it's much deeper than what we can discuss in one setting. So I would hope that you would glean everything, everything you can today, but then take this topic and let it work through your soul, let it work through your mind and body, through your lifetime, dads. Don't ever stop thinking about what, you're, what legacy you're leaving your children. Don't ever stop thinking about that, because as you go through the process of leaving that legacy, you will find that there are things that you need to change maybe along the way. Be changeable, be teachable. I read, I read an article this week, and, and in the article there was this paragraph, and let me read it to you. A man becomes a father when he has his first child. This status is fixed, such that once a man becomes a father, he is always a father. He may subsequently have more children, or his responsibilities and activities may change due to divorce or children leaving home or for other reasons, but he is always a father. Fatherhood, then, is a status attained by having a child and is irrevocable. He will always be a dad. Once a dad, always a dad. I don't care how old your children get, you still worry about them. You still pray for them if you're a godly dad. You still have um, concerns for their welfare. Once a dad, always a dad. So today, in the context of our discussion about legacies, this is more than just simply the act of becoming a father, but it continues on in the extent of the fathering role of a man in the life of his children. See, it's kind of like becoming a Christian. We all have the event of our new birth into the kingdom of God. That fact happens in an instant. That process of salvation is not a working into a process of salvation. It is an instantaneous change. When the moment that a man recognizes his sinful nature, and he recognizes the fact that he has a problem in his life that he cannot solve on his own, and that he knows enough, because the Holy Spirit is dealing with that man, to draw him to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. And when he repents of his action instantaneously... The man is a new man. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Nicodemus is one of the, one of the, the, the Pharisees that, that crucified Jesus, actually. Nicodemus came to Jesus in the night because he knew the truth that Jesus was speaking about, and he recognized the truth, and the other Pharisees didn't, but he came to Jesus and he had some questions for Jesus because he knew Jesus was really who he said he was. And Jesus answered him, he said, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. See, Nicodemus was talking about a physical birth, wasn't he? Verse 5 Jesus answered, Very truly, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit water indicating the flesh, spirit indicating the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So here is the process of salvation. It is an instantaneous born-again change when the man sees that his spirit man needs to be changed. And when he does that, he's born again. And you can ask, well, what does that have to do with Father's Day? It has this to do with Father's Day. Because that instantaneous change is day one. Becoming a father is day one. And then we live the rest of our life as a father, or we live the rest of our life as a Christian man. And the process then of living becomes the challenge that we both have as as a Christian and or as a Father. And that we are then to live a life that is obedient to being a Christian or obedient to being a godly father. It's the process, it's 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 the commitment to moving beyond the event of salvation, the commitment from moving beyond the event, the event of becoming the dad into the living the role of being a father and living in the role of being a Christian. They, they're very similar in the process because now you have actions that must be done if you're going to be successful in that life of Christianity and in that life of fatherhood. So becoming a father is day one, and being a father is forever. See the difference? You see where we're moving here from, being, from a one event to a process of events? So what is the purpose of being a father? Larry, can we show that little video of what's the purpose of being a father?
1: Over the years, our dad taught us a lot of valuable lessons. Some of them stuck, and some of them didn't. Dad taught us how to tie a tie. Dad taught us how to grill the perfect steak. He told us it was important to share. And when we were old enough, he taught us how to shave. He also taught us the importance of keeping in shape. Dad taught us how to be wise with our money. He made sure we grew up being skilled with a hammer. He even taught us how to make the perfect cup of coffee. Dad also taught us what it means to love your wife. He taught us how to pray, and Dad taught us how to grow in wisdom. So whether you're just like your dad, or totally the opposite, this is the man who helped make you who you are, and the legacy he leaves with you will last forever.
0: So being a father has some responsibilities, doesn't it? And uh, we want to talk about the legacy process of what it means. So dads, what do you want to, what do you want to be rem- remembered for this morning? Have you ever spent time considering that question? If you haven't, I suggest that you do so. What is your destination You know, if you're going to go on a trip, you would need to plan the destination before you embark on that trip. Fathers, you're on the trip. If you're a dad, you're already on the trip. But do you know what your destination is? Do you know what you want to be known for? Do you know what you want to be remembered for? What is your destination? What do you want your legacy to be? When people, especially your your kids, remember you, what do you want them to remember you as? Here are some characteristics of 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 a good father. Some characteristics of a good father. In fact, why don't you tell me some? Let me just not... What are your... What's, give me some characteristics of a good father. What's a good father? Shout them out. Caring? Caring? None, that was my number one too, Chris. Good job. What's another one? Patient. Patient. Well, involved. Good. Responsible. Considerate. Fun, good provider. He loves his wife and he loves his children. He's a man's man. No, he's not no wimp. He's a man's man. That's what you like. That's a good father. Now, what are some characteristics of a godly father? Caring, Caring, good. Exactly. Man, we are right on the same page today, Chris. Because the characteristics of 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 a good father and a godly father are exactly the same. Plus, plus he loves Jesus. Plus that he's a man that's not afraid to show his family that Jesus is the most important thing in his life. A good man and a godly man are very, very close in character, but a good man is not enough It's not enough to be just a good man if you're going to leave a godly legacy. You can leave a good legacy by being a good man, but if you're going to be a godly, if you want a godly legacy, then you must be a godly man. That doesn't really ring true very well with our society today, does it? Our American society doesn't see godliness and goodness being separated very much. Our American society looks at at godly men as girlish men, as weak men, as wimpy men, as men that need a crutch, and so they run the church. We talked about meekness today in Sunday school. Um, Janine brought it up. Meekness is controlled power, controlled strength. It's not weakness. Weakness is not meekness. Meekness is controlled power. That's what Christian men are. They're meek before the Lord. See, a godly man, not only will he be considerate and caring and a good provider and fond and loves his wife and loves his children, but he's a praying man. He's a Bible reading man. He's a man that's committed to following the heart of Christ. His priorities aren't all about himself. He teaches his children about God. He shares his faith openly with others. This isn't, we, we, have this, we have this misnomer that our faith is private. Our faith is personal. Our faith is just between me and God. Well, certainly your faith is between you and God. But where in the Bible does it say, hide your lamp under a bushel? In fact, it says just the opposite you take your lamp and set it on a hill so all can see the light. You don't light your candle or then put a bushel over it. There was a little song we used to sing about that. Anybody remember it? Jackie, what's the song? This light of mine. Sing it, Jack. <laughs> this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. What? Not That's not the right one? Okay. This light of mine. That's exactly what I was singing, Jack. <laughs> you couldn't tell. Was it that bad? But the whole point of that is that you you... Light the candle, and then you let it shine for all to see. So faith, as personal as it is, it's also very public. And it should be very evident to people around you that you're a godly man. If your your, your identity of being a godly man is hidden, are you a godly man? Or are you a good man? You can be a good man, but that's not enough. If you want to be remembered as a godly man, then you must live the life while you're alive of a godly man. How do we make sure that we'll leave a godly father legacy? See, we almost think that it's a default that we will leave a godly legacy. That it's just, when I die, uh, people are going to automatically remember me as a godly man. I've been in some funerals, where I've heard a man described as a godly man by the when he dies, but when I look back at his life, I'm not so sure that they're talking about the same man. So this morning, if you really want to be sure that when people remember you, that they're going to remember you as a godly man, then you must do some things today. So I have a list of some things. And this, this is just a short list. Actually, this list is many, many more items than that, but I'm going to highlight it to five, and I have them on the handout that you have. A spiritually sensitive and God-honoring man does the first thing. He loves his wife, who's the mother of his children, and it shows. It shows. Now, I know that this is, uh, I, this is the first one that I picked. The first one is probably the most important one. And quite honestly, this is a challenging one for all of us. It's a challenge for me. I'll be very honest. Um, there's been probably some times my wife has looked at me and said, you don't love me very much, do you? and I'm sorry for those days because I haven't been a perfect man and so we'll just say that right now so now you can put that away knowing that I'm not perfect in everything that I've done now let's go on to the next one (laughs) see the enemy will bring all kinds of problems if he can between dads and moms and he will do that as a way to undermine the family He will do that as a way to undermine the relationship that children will have with their future spouses. And dads, it's a responsibility of us to show our children how to honor our mothers, their mothers, our wives. We need to be honoring our wives, dads, and we need to show it to our children that we hold our wives in highest regard and uh, do the best you can in that. And when you don't do it, then repent and do better. And uh, divorce is one of the enemy's most formidable tools in destroying the families and bringing conflict into the church of God. And uh, and I know that divorce is a hard thing. Uh, Divorce is uh, the way that the enemy will get in and destroy a father image to their children. So this morning, I don't want to make this message about divorce, but I really want to make it about stressing how we live a life so that we avoid that how we live a life in a positive way. Because when a man and woman get married, they're intended to be married for life. You're intended to be married for life, especially if you're a Christian man and woman when you get married. Now, I know sometimes people get married when they're not Christians and they don't understand some of these things like they should. And I know that some things happen and I know a lot of people get remarried and they become saved and they become Christians. And I think that kind of changes a lot when the Lord finally enters your life and all of a sudden now you see things differently and now, maybe you wish you could go back and redo your first marriage or second marriage or whatever it is, but you just can't. So now you accept the grace of God to come into your life and you do the best you can. And now, if you marry again, now, this time, it's for life. Okay? This time, you have the godly perspective and you understand what your responsibilities are under God. Okay? Now you come into this thing a little differently. So if we are married for life, we have some instructions. Ephesians chapter 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then skipping down to verse 28 in the same chapter. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Verse 33, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. These passages are very much geared towards Christian families. How men and women, how dads and how Christian fathers should honor and love their wives. And we should do our best to live by them. And we should do our best to make it obvious to our children that we're living this way. But we all know that in reality people make mistakes. And sometimes some of these mistakes are pretty deep. And we wound each other pretty severely. The point, of the, the point of this message is not about those, but it's about, it's about what do we do when we make those mistakes. How do, we, how, do we, how do we recover from these mistakes? Fathers, this is your responsibility to lead the charge here. You've, choo- you've chosen your wife as your partner based on your free will. No one has coerced you into doing this. This is your choice to marry this woman. So now, dads, we need to man up and be the spiritual husbands, and our kids need to see it. This is not where we make excuses for our behavior. We need to put our feelings on our back burner for a minute here. We need to put our emotions aside and look at love as a commitment as to what it really is. Love is a commitment to choose to love one another more than you love yourself. It's a commitment to honor and cherish each other even when we make mistakes. Because we're going to make mistakes. And now... Maybe those are your mistakes. Maybe those are her mistakes. Maybe they're both of your mistakes. But understand this, that your commitment to love her is deeper than your mistakes. Your commitment to cherish her goes beyond your mistakes, and you don't give up because you've made or she's made mistakes. God's love and his forgiveness, thank goodness for that. God's love and forgiveness goes far deeper than any mistake we've ever made understand that you can be forgiven from your past you can be forgiven from your mistakes and you can move on and then you can then be that godly man and that godly father that you need to be but you must let god do it you must let him actively change the things in your life number two he's the priest the father is the priest of his home men need to be the leader of spiritual life in the home now, this responsibility of being a, father, a priestly father does not in any way take away from the need and the purpose of a godly mother and a godly wife. We work together here. Women have a special sense about them to sense God so many times. And dads, we need to honor that, and we need to let them in times lead us. That whole thing, of Bible about being the man or the head of the house, it's taken to a, a bad extreme in that we've taken it to be a monarchy. And that's not what it is. We're misinterpreting that scripture because spiritual mothers, spiritual women have many, many insights that men don't have. And we need to work together, dads and moms, work together. And dads, when your wife has a spiritual insight or a spiritual word, listen to her. Listen to her because she has wisdom maybe that you don't have and we're to honor that and to respect that. So here it is. It's not as a priest of your home, Dad, this doesn't mean that you are the only one that can pray or you are the only one that can have a spiritual word. What it means is that you are ultimately responsible that there's a spiritual nature in your home. It means that you're responsible that there is prayer going on in your home. It doesn't make any difference really who's leading it, but there has to be it. I know that some women have verbal skills that exceed the man's verbal skills and that's fine so i'm not saying that men you have to talk more than your wives i'm just thinking that you need to work together to let them speak when it's their time to speak in a christian sense and in a spiritual sense So you work together the ultimate responsibility dad is that you make sure that there is a spiritual bent in your home that's what you're going to be judged on When God looks at you down the road to say, hey, how were you as a dad? He's not going to look at you to say, how many cars did you have? How many new homes did you have? How many hobbies did you have? He's going to look at you and say, "What, what what was your spiritual nature in your home like? Did you guard that, dads? Did you protect that? Did you honor that? Were you the priest of your home that allowed that to happen? And did you make sure that it did happen? Prayer is the key component to this. Godly strength is not given unless you press in and seek God and allow the Holy Spirit to actively work through you, dads. We gain our strength through a consistent prayer life, which is really nothing else than saying that we're developing our relationship with Jesus through our conversations with him. You're just, what you're doing is you're getting to know Jesus more and more and more the more you pray. And that relationship that you have with Jesus, then, is what gives you the strength to be what you need to do. Dads, your kids need to see you pray. They need to hear you pray. They need to see you be the active leader in prayer in your home. They need to know that you're teaching them how to pray and that you're teaching them how to develop their relationship with that same Holy Spirit that you have the relationship with. Prayers, prayers do some amazing things. Prayers show submission. Do you know that? When you pray to God, what you're doing is that you're asking for his help, you're asking for his guidance. You're asking for his provision. You are submitting. You are humbling yourself. You are putting yourself subservient to God when you pray that way. So you're teaching your children how to be subservient. You're teaching your children how to be submissive because when you say, Jesus, I need you to help me, what that's saying, what that's showing your child is that you're not the end all or you don't think you're the end all, that you must have godly strength in your life. And that then is shown through your prayer life. Because now your kids see you praying and asking God for strength. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, and then verse 18, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong. Listen, fathers. Be strong, not in yourself, but be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And pray, verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. See, this is the kind of activities that your children need to see you, Dad, if you're going to be a godly legacy. If you're going to lead them a spiritual legacy, they need to see you praying. You know, we, we spend a lot of time teaching our kids how to throw a softball, ride a bike, shoot a basket, kick a soccer ball, balance a checkbook. We teach them all kinds of life skills, which is very important to do, by the way, dads. Do that. Spend time with your kids to teach them how to do those kinds of things. But how much time do we spend teaching them how to pray? How much time do we give them the opportunity in our, in our homes to teach them how to pray and encourage them to use their voice and speak out loud? How can we be praying adults if we haven't been taught to be praying children? Let them pray at home. Let them make a mistake. Don't laugh at them. Don't, don't, don't discourage them from praying, but rather encourage your children at the earliest ages how to pray. Because as you teach them how to pray, you teach them how to be spiritual prayers as they get into their more mature adult years. So it's important that you have consistent prayer time. Meals, pray at meals, dads and moms. Just don't rush through that. Make this an opportunity to let your children pray at meals teach them what it is to be thankful for the food that's on their plate teach them what it is that they're thankful that their mom made the food and dad brought home the bacon and or mom helps bring it whatever but just teach them how it is to be thankful for that and let them pray teach them teach them bedtime is a great way to teach people to teach children to pray you know maybe they're afraid of going to bed at night maybe they're afraid of the dark well let them say jesus would you help me tonight Would you show them how to pray through that prayer of of fear so that when they get older, they're already knowing how to pray through fear because maybe they need to know how to ask? Yeah. Develop a family devotional time as as best as you can. I know as busy as we are today, I know it's hard maybe to have set devotional times, but do the best you can with your children and pray. And when you have opportunities, make sure you don't let one go by. Make sure you don't let an opportunity to pray with your child. Don't let it go by. You never can pray too much at home. You never can pray too much. Another key component is Bible reading. Dads, you need to be seen seen reading the Bible. And it needs to be an active and regular part of your life. And your children need to see it. Now, I can remember when I was um, in Brighton and working in uh, in the automotives, I would get up early and leave early to beat the rush hour traffic. And And I never realized the significance of this until one of my kids mentioned it to me just a while ago. But I would get up in the morning, and I would always have my prayer time and devotional time, and and (laughs) I should have, but I didn't always put my Bible away. I would leave it out on the table. And you know what? That probably was the best thing I could have done. because, Because they saw it. They saw that it was marked up. They saw that I'd spent time that day. And they would go home, They would come up, and you know what? It gave them some peace. It gave them some security that dad spent time in the Word that day. And I didn't realize it until I think summer or some of the kids mentioned it, the, how, how important it was for them to come up and see the Bible. Still opened. Read the Bible. Teach them. How can anyone lead another? unless they're educated in the way that they're, te- they're, they're leading them. Dads, how can you lead them biblically if you don't read the Bible? You don't get it on Sunday mornings. This is not enough, by the way. You just can't get what you get on Sunday mornings, go home, and then be the spiritual leader you need to be because you heard the pastor say something. No, you need to get in the word yourself. And you need to make sure that whatever the pastor's saying is right. And then you need to go deeper than that because your life is deeper than what you get on Sunday mornings. And for many of us, this is the only time we darken the the church doors. You must, fathers, get into the Word of God. How can you lead your family if you're not into the Word of God? How can you lead them in light if you're not in light yourself? Very important, Dad. If you want to be remembered as a praying dad, as a Bible-believing dad, then you must pray, and you must read the Bible, and you must allow your children to see that. Number three, he has his family finances in order. Godly stewardship is a primary function of being a spiritual man and a spiritual husband and a spiritual father. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to be a financial genius, and this doesn't mean that you have to be be filthy rich to have your finances in order. It just means that you need to have your finances in order. (laughs) It means that you need to teach your children the value of a dollar. A a dollar earned is a dollar saved. And they need to know that. And, And you saw in the little video clip here about the one dad you know, counting his dollars out and putting his dollars in his pocket, and you, you saw the other dad just, you know, six or seven credit cards in his hand. You need to know, show, you need to show your kids, dad, that you shouldn't be spending money you don't have. That's not godly. That's not being a good stewardship. That doesn't mean we don't take a bank loan for a house. It doesn't mean we don't take a bank loan for a car. No, but we need to make sure that our income... Can substantiate that bank loan we just took because I know we can't buy things in cash all the time. Let's just—I wish we could, but we can't. And quite honestly, our credit system requires you to have credit, requires you to go out and get. Even if you could pay for cash, it wouldn't be good for you credit-wise because it doesn't show that you can pay your credit bill, your credit cards. So, dads, we need to be careful about that. We need to We need to understand that a shrewd man, a godly man, understands the dollar the value of a dollar, the how he's worked for it. You know, the old proverb goes, a fool and his money are soon parted. We all know that, right? It's pretty obvious. It's not wise to spend money we don't have. It's only good common sense to things that we can buy, things we can afford. But there's much more to that than just being a good financial steward for the spiritual man. That, right, what we've just described right there, really, that's just being a good dad. That's just being a good man. Now, what makes the difference here to go from good to godly is getting to tithing. Getting into the biblical model of being a tither, that's the godly man. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now this dad's does not mean you can't have money. Don't misread this. This is not an issue. This is not saying that you're taking a vow of poverty. No, you can have a nice house. You can have a nice car. You can have all those nice things in life. But who are you serving? Who are you serving? Are you serving God or are you serving money? You can't serve both. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, then verse 5. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in, in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart at which time each will receive their praise from God. Motives of the heart are so important, dads, because it's the motive of what you do with your time and your money is what really is seen by people, whether you realize it or not. Your children, your wife knows the motives of your heart by how you spend your money and by how you your urgency to make more money and so forth. But financial stewardship begins with knowing and understanding and believing and then following through with the concept of tithing and giving first to God. Giving first to God is so, so important because when I can teach my children, when you can teach your children that that first 10%, it's not yours. In fact, the 100% is not yours. We're gifted. We are stewards of what God has blessed us with. Even if you can say, well, I went and worked for it. Well, yes, you did. But who gave you the strength to go work for it? God did. So even though you said I earned it, it's God's money. It's God's provision because he gave you the ability to do what you do. Who gave who gave you the mind to think? Who gave you the mind to speak? Who gave you your creative ability? God did. And because of that, what you resulted, what the resultant income of that is, is God's. God only requires 10%. But 10% is his. 10% is his. And when we understand the principle of tithing, we understand that we can live abundantly on the 90% when we give God our first 10%. And when I can teach that to my child, I am on the road of leaving a godly legacy. Malachi verse ch- chapter 3, verse 8 and 12. Will a mere man rob, rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, Your whole nation, because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe, or bring the whole 10% into the storehouse, which is the church, because this is where you're fed, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed. All your children, We'll call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land," says the Lord Almighty. This is the only time in Scripture that God gives us gives us the right to test Him, and He says this because He's so confident in that when you test Him with this, when you honestly, with a pure heart, dads, when you when you truly give your tithe, because it's God's and you recognize it's God's, when you truly do that, God is abundant enough to provide your needs. And he says, test me in that because he's pretty confident he can meet your needs. He's pretty confident he's got enough money to meet your needs, dads, when you trust him that way. But that's where your trust, that's where your trust has to be of a good motivation of the heart. Number four, he mentors and trains his children. A spiritual man understands how God desires to lead him and train him, and then he takes that into a mentoring role to his children. Now, what's a mentor? What's a mentor? By definition, a mentor is an experienced and trusted advisor. The verb verb usage means to advise or to train by example in many situations. To be a good mentor, um, someone has to have lived through something and have experience in something so that he then can train by his experiences to the one that he's training. To be a good mentor, you need to understand some things, Dads. And here's something I think that I think this is really a confusing part for many families today, especially in our society today. For some reason, parents think that their role is to be their child's best friend. Some, for some reason, that we're, we are to be their best friend and not their parent. Because if that's the case, if, if I'm trying to keep them as my best friend, then we don't want to do anything to them that would cause them not to like us. We're afraid that if we say no, that they may have their feelings hurt and may not like us anymore. If we require too much of them helping around the house, they may not like us. If we ask too many questions about their friends that they hang out with with at school, or if we put too many guidelines and boundaries on who they can date, because we want to make sure that they're dating godly people, that they are yoking themselves together with godly people. When I, as a dad or parent, start asking too many questions, we're afraid to do that because we want our kids to like us. Now, when I start to do that, when I live that way with before my children, I can't be a parent. All I am is a friend. But I can't be the godly parent that I need to be in their lives when I'm afraid that they're not going to like me. It's not my job to make my kids like me. It's my job to train them It's my job to be a mentor to them. It's my job to risk that they may not like me for a while because I'm telling them something they don't want to hear, but they'll know down the road that I really love them enough to to take the risk that they won't like me for a little bit of time. That's being a godly parent. That's being a godly father, that you can be the godly man with the godly principles and you're not afraid that they don't like you. Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. Fearing our children is a sign of foolishness. But when I fear God, that's a sign of wisdom. I don't fear my children. I treat my children with love and respect and I train them, but I don't fear them. I fear God, and when I fear God, it's the beginning of all wisdom. I teach my children, I teach them in in how I live. The quickest way to ruin your influence with your child, dad is to talk one way and live another. The quickest way to, lo- to lose your influence is to be hypocritical in front of your kids. They may not be educated, but they're smart. They can pick up on a, a hypocritical attitude. They can pick They don't even know what the word means, but they know what it is. And when they see Dad saying one thing and doing another, boy, that's, a, that's the quickest way to lose respect. And you know what? Respect is never demanded. Respect is earned. You can't demand respect no more than you can demand love. Respect is an earned thing. And when you lose respect, it takes a long time to build it back. You can build it back, but it takes a long time. If you want to lose respect, then talk one way and live another, and you will. If you want to earn respect, then do your absolute best to live up to the words that you speak. And when you fall short, because you probably will, and when you fall short, be quick to acknowledge it. Ask for forgiveness to your children. Repent. In other words, do something different to make it up to they know that you're serious about this, that you are sorry, and then make it right with your child. And that will be the process to earning respect back. Number five, he leaves a spiritual legacy when he's a spiritual man. Now, all I've said here is maybe hard things, and maybe some of us are saying, well, you know what? I'm well beyond the years of child-rearing, and thank goodness I am. But we are. And, but here's the thing for all of us this morning. I don't care where you're at in life. It is not too late to start. I don't care if you've blown it in the past. I don't care if you haven't been that godly father in the past. It's never too late to start. There are some things in life that we just can't control. In fact, there's many things in life you can't control. One of the things you cannot control is the fact that you will be remembered when you die. You will be remembered. There's nothing you can do to wipe that out of the people that are after you. You will be remembered when you die. You cannot control that. You cannot stop that. But here is one thing you can influence or you can control, and that is how are you remembered? How are you remembered? Are you remembered as a good dad or a godly dad? See, a good dad can be a fun man, can be a great man, can be a good provider, can be well thought of. But that goodness will not lead to Jesus unless he's a godly man. Dads, what do you want to leave your children with today? What do you want them to be? Do you, want, do you want your life to lead them closer to Jesus? Is that your goal in life? Is that how much Do you love your children enough that you will lead your children closer to Jesus? Or are you just comfortable being a good man? There's going to be a lot of good men in hell. There's going to be a lot of good people in hell. I'm sorry to say that. I wish I didn't have to. I wish the Word said something different, but the Bible doesn't say anything different. Good people aren't good enough to get to heaven. The only people that get to heaven are those that recognize they're not good enough to get to heaven, and they've taken taken action over that, and they've said, Jesus, would you please forgive me? Dads, do you want to leave your children closer to Jesus? Jackie, if you'd come this morning, there's a huge difference between being a good man and a godly man. A godly man's influence brings eternal life to those who follow him. A good man doesn't. Quite simply, a good man's legacy leads to death. A good man's legacy, I don't care how much you liked your dad, I don't care how much you loved him, I don't care how good of a man he was, I don't care how well he treated his wife, I don't care how how successful he was, I don't care how much money he had, he could have been the President of the United States for all that matters. But if he doesn't have Jesus Christ in his life, and, is he, and if, if he hasn't been leading you to have that same relationship with Jesus, then the man's a failure. Can we just speak it the way it is without being rude? But that's the fact, guys, because eternal life is the most important thing in our, in our, in our existence. We're going to die someday. We're going to move on someday. We're 80, 85 years in this life, 90 years, maybe 100 if you're lucky. But then you have millions and millions and millions of years of eternity, dads. Do you want to live with a string of regrets? Because here's the thing: when when you when we're, when we're all gone, whether a person is in hell or a person is in heaven, I believe wholeheartedly that our memories will be intact. So that person that's in hell, what probably the biggest question for him, the probably the biggest problem for him other than the pain and the separation from God and all the devastation is the fact that he could have made a change. He could have made a different choice. I could have been different. I could have been in a different place. Dads, listen to me. Do you want your children to be thinking, man, if my dad would have been a Christian man, If my dad would have led me in Bible studies, if my dad would have prayed with me, if my dad would have, if my dad, if all the ifs, do you want a string of regrets that are going to be remembered forever and ever and ever? Or do you want a string of blessing that is better every day because eternity gets better every day? Now, the whole benefit of the gospel message is the fact that it's good news. The good news means that it's not too late. If you have life, if you have breath in here, it's not too late. So here's what you do, dads. If you're one of the dads here that's blown it, if you're, we all have blown it. But if you're like me, if you're one of the dads that have blown it, and if you want to change, then here's what you have to do. You have to, first of all, make your heart right with the Lord. Make sure that your relationship with Jesus is secure. And then you need to talk to your family. You need to go to your wife, you need to go to your children, and you need to say, you know what, Guys, I haven't been the dad that I needed to be. I haven't been that godly dad. I haven't been the, the dad that's prayed with you enough. I haven't been the dad that has read the Bible enough with you. Would you forgive me? First of all, would you forgive me? Would you would you let me off the hook? Okay, now, now can we work together to change it? And I'm going to and this is what you do, dad. You say, "I'm going to make the changes in my life right now that are going to earn my respect from you, that are going to earn this godly perspective from you and I'm going to work really hard from here on out I don't care if you're a a young dad or or grandpa I don't care it doesn't make any difference what you need to do is make the change and then you say I'm going to do my best I'm going to get my Bible I'm going to read it I'm going to get a Bible study I'm going to do what I have to do I'm going to pray I'm going to teach myself how to pray if I don't know how to pray I'm going to teach you the best that I can and I want to earn the respect from you so that when I leave this place you're going to look at me as a godly father as a godly father, not just a good dad. So this morning, as we we end this morning, Dad, let me just ask the question, what's your legacy? What's the legacy you're leaving behind? Will you be remembered as a good man or a godly man? And will your legacy lead others, including your children, to a closer relationship with Jesus? Most important thing you can do. Would you close your eyes? Just as we listen to Jackie play this music for a minute, can we just close your eyes? And, and this is the important part, guys. You've always heard the saying, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Maybe, we've, maybe we haven't started well, but we can finish great. We can finish strong. We can finish a victor. But you have to make the purpose to change if you have to change. These are the messages that that I hope go beyond the few minutes that we have in church. And as I pray to close this morning, I'm not going to pray for an altar call. But if you do want to be, if you want to pray, I'd love to pray with you. But this is what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will put this message deep in somebody's heart that it will be recalled back over and over and over again, that we will not be able to escape the conviction of the Lord in our heart and life. So Jesus, I thank you for the way you've ministered to us today. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence among us today. I thank you. And I pray now that you would uh, be so heavy in our hearts today. God, yeah, we celebrate dads. And we're so thankful that we have dads. And so we, we love our dads, and we're so thankful for that. But God, the most important thing is that our dads are godly dads. So God, I'm praying that your Holy Spirit would be released in the life of every man that's hearing this today. And that we would be recalled back, whether we're not a dad yet, whether maybe we're a single young man, maybe we're a grandpa, maybe we're a dad. It doesn't make any difference, but Holy Spirit, would you rest hard and heavy in the presence and minds of these men that we would understand that we need to submit to you and you alone. I pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have a great Father's Day. There's a gift for every man. If there are guys with Cody and Gabe, if you, if you get them, make sure when you walk out that there's, they've got something for you guys. And uh, I hope you enjoy it and use it. And thanks for being here. God bless you. Amen. Have a great day.